Saying low, Apple Music. Catching up with Sam Smith on this episode of the Zane Lowe interview series. Sam Smith, obviously, I mean, I can say this confidently, a good friend of mine, somebody who I've worked with in the studio, collaborated with, produced and written with, that is evident on Sam's debut album in The Lonely Hour on a song called Restart. Now, since that experience when Sam came out and presented themselves as a modern-day soul troubadour, effectively. Sam has traveled far and wide and experienced crowds and music in many different forms, and we find them in incredible form right now. With a number one song around the world featuring Kim Petras called Unholy, Sam Smith is having the time of their lives right now. So we catch up with them in great form right here on the interview series. Do you ever get used to it, releasing music? The idea of releasing music, putting it out? Weirdly, I'm getting used to it, slowly. So what does it feel like when you're used to it? I have a low every time. Ah, I get low. That's interesting. Yeah, I get low. I almost get upset. <laughs> is, it, because, it, is, it, is it kind of a melancholy that you would feel at the end of a holiday or is it more like a thing that you're sort of concerned about because you're not quite sure how people are going to perceive I'm you? I'm going to sound like a drama queen, but it's like a death in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. they're mine yeah. and they belong to me and I'd sit with them and I love them and imagine how people would uh, listen to them or if people would enjoy them. Then you put it out there and it doesn't belong to you anymore. And people take it and people are rude. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have in a very unique position as an artist who is we're talking to Sam Smith by the way sometimes I just start and then people forget like what's going on and so we're talking to Sam Smith but if ever I'm going to just start it's going to be with Sam you have reached these huge levels of success and then you've had to work really hard almost like most people do at the start to really claim back your narrative and who you want to be and now you're knocking on your own door again so mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing of like hard work, success, hard work, success. More than most. Most don't make it a second time around. They get the success, they check the hell out. You, you're you in it. And so getting back to the point of people being rude about your music, can you describe what that actually honestly feels like when people don't get it? It's It can feel heartbreaking at first. And it's like... It's just an insecure feeling. But I think I'm really lucky because of my what I like musically. I'm used to playing music to people that I like. And cool, I call them coolios. And coolios listen to the music and they hate it. And they and they they're almost cringed out by my music taste sometimes. So that's your gang. Those yeah, songs are yeah, your gang. I'm used to that feeling. So yeah. when people do it to my song, I'm like, it's okay if you don't get it. And it's my pleasure. Like, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I'm I'm over that. Like, last album I got over that. What even is a guilty pleasure? What would even be a guilty pleasure? There's no such pl- thing. It's no just pleasures, right? It's, right. And, um, and so it hurts at first, but I'm, I'm getting better at, uh, at being okay with that. It's okay if people don't like my music. If people loved everything I did yeah. all the time and every album just went up, 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 up. You'd still be in a suit. I don't with don't know. You'd, still I'd be, be, you'd be still be in a suit. I'd be in a suit and I'd be singing... Those songs, those over, songs and over, over and over and over, and over, again, over yeah. and over again. So what's your relationship like with those songs? Now that you've changed and moved forward so much, it's one of the great reveals of the moment you now mm. because those who know you and love you and true fans have seen your metamorphosis, but those who are rediscovering your music because you're making incredible music are like, 
who was this person compared to that person? <laughs> there are some people waking oh, up to completely. you again. Complete. But I think what I'm trying to explain to people, and not not just the people who listen to my music, also my team, because I said I'm sent unholy to my team, and everyone was like, "What is this?" Like they were confused. They were like, "What is the brand?" Like what? What are you wow. trying to do here? Like, because it's this is not stay with me. This is not this. It's not that. Everyone's trying to make sense of it. I hope you turned around and said, "Good question. What is the brand?" <laughs> well, I said, "I'm the brand." Yes, that's what I said. I'm the brand, and I, just like my gender, really, I'm everything. I can be anything. I can sing anything I want to, and I want to lean into that with my genres. I've always tried to. I come from Latch. I come from Stay With Me. Yeah, it's not like, like Money On My Mind wasn't a weird pop Money song. Money On My Mind was on In The Lonely Hour. And by it the way, was weird. That's a weird song. It's a weird song. It's weirdly ravey and like It's really up-tempo. It's annoying. Dr- it's drum and bassy. And it's <laughs> yeah. Like, by the way, I love Two Inch Punch, but the production compared to the it's rest mad. of it is like low-key. Completely mad. Yeah. But it all worked, right? And the, in, in a weird way, it worked. It may have not been the most cohesive record yeah. to, you know, Coolio's. <laughs> but I'm not interested. I didn't grow up listening to, you know, all the, some... I've listened to some of these albums, these incredible cult you know, albums. I think no they need in- to be cynical, Sam. No, they're all incredible. They're amazing. But I also come from Mariah and 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 Whitney and George and all these people who were genre hop. If and and also Rihanna yeah. and Beyonce. If you listen to Rihanna's first records, yeah. there was all different genres compiled together in these beautiful ways. Someone asked I mean, me the other day, "What's Rihanna's new album going to sound like?" And I said, "Well, she's done everything, so it could be anything." Completely. <laughs> and I love that. I lo- I love to be. That's this is where my you know Madonna jumps out. Like yeah. I've always wanted to be an artist that changes it up every single time. Yeah, you know that's the dream. Yeah, I yeah. want to. Yeah, I want to bring out like my opera album when I'm forty. Because because you can because you can and that's and that to some degree is the voice. That's the part of it that you've had to protect, train, nurture, and trust. Yeah, but it was given to you. Yeah, yes, yes. It was given to you. So now, we're given all kinds of gifts at birth. Do we choose to use them? That's a big question. And that's, <laughs> that's a fucking existential breakdown for a lot of people yeah, yeah. on this planet, right? Because having a gift and having the tools to know what to do with it are not always com- mutually compatible, right? No, and it's also a responsibility because when you're, when you're naturally good at something, people want you to do it. They're like, why would you not do it? And I remember even as a kid having that war in my head, like, you know, do I actually want to be a singer? Because this is my choice. Right. Just because I'm, people are telling me I'm good at something doesn't mean I have to do it. And, I might want to be a fishmonger. And then the flip side of that is there are people who want to do it and have the, have the talent, but then somebody in their life who's, whose job it is to guide them into, into their life is broken. Oh, completely. And doesn't know how to support them. And all of a sudden yeah. it's like, no, you can't do that. Or they cash out on it. That's the other thing, you know. Like I, I remember. Well, my, let's go there. What's the cash out? Well, because when I became more known, you know, I needed my parents to say to me, I love you. Take away the singing. Take away everything that's happened. I I love you, and you can do. You can walk away from it tomorrow, and I love you. And that some people don't have that. Some people have parents being like, stick with it. Stick with it. Come on. Come, come on, on. Come on. Come this on. is who you are. Yeah. And it's not family. who you are. My singing is not who I am. It's a part of who I am. So was there ever any? Oh, tough question. <laughs> Go for it. Was there ever any cash out situation going on in your family? Or was everybody always very supportive of you? Everyone's very supportive. My family incredible because they were petrified the minute I became famous. Right. It wasn't a good thing. Right. It was a scary thing. Did they ever kind of verbalize as to what that was, put it into words? Did you ever get a clear answer as to what they were scared of? They were scared of losing me. 
me changing. Right. You know, right. not and, physically, but like yeah, and in the terms people the, around your me, nature. yeah, people and people around you who want something from you. You know, that you hear these horror stories. I think that because of Winehouse and you know what oh, happened with yeah. Amy and that what was, happened with Whitney, and that was the time we, we're now watching these. And the Elvis movie, right? I just watched that recently. We're watching these artists and what they went through. And for the first time, I don't think we're romanticizing it as much. And we're actually going, that's really sad, period. That's just really sad. Yeah. yeah. You know, not that's really sad, but they're icons. Of course they're icons, but it's really sad. They could have they could have lived, a lived, life. lived for a long time, lived just like Elton and still be touring like Elton. You know? It's like that quote in the documentary I saw about Kurt Cobain and um, it was about Pearl Jam and they were talking about Kurt's death and there's a quote from Neil Young who to me is just one of the great, like one of the great sound human beings in the arts. Like every step he's taken for better or for worse has been the right step. Yeah. You know, no matter what people thought at the time, he was like, this is the right step. And he said, I just wish, if I could have spoken to him before he took his own life, I'd have just said, just stop. Yeah. No one can tell you to keep going. Yeah. Just stop. The world gets really small in your head, I think. And I you think need parents well. and people, or not just parents, right? Chosen family around you to say, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> get out of LA. Get out of London. The world's big. Go see the world. Go and realize that half the world, more than half, the majority of the world don't know who you are. Yeah. Like when I did work with War Child years ago, I remember being talking to these to refugees and we talked about music and they didn't know who Beyonce was yeah. or Britney was. Yeah. This young kid only knew who Mozart was. Yeah. That was the only Western artist that he knew yeah. was Mozart. It was m- mad. I remember going to Africa with Damon Orban and a whole bunch of artists and having a very similar experience watching them try to sort of understand their role in the in the, in the evening wherever we were in these bars off the side of the road with torrential like tor- like rainfall coming down so hard you couldn't even see a hand in front of your face or these kids are like <laughs> 10 years old playing instruments with their parents and grandparents and their family for like six hours. Everyone's drinking warm beer out of a crate and they're the best musicians you've ever heard in your entire life of course I mean, this 10-year-old kid on the drums is better than anybody in the room. And Damon's just looking around going, yeah, that's f***ing right. It's incredible. Understand that. Music is deep. The world is deep. We have to get perspective as artists all the time on how small we are, I think. So how have you created a new relationship with the world at large and not the world that you created and was created for you? How did you break out of that? What was a key moment for you? You talk about War Child. Were there other experiences? Did you travel? How did you do it? I moved out of London. That was a big thing for me, just moving out of London and 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 leaving the city a little bit. So you're bit. not in London anymore? Well, I, I have a place there, which yeah. is great, but I'm I'm in the countryside more and more. And my aim is throughout my life, I want to become more isolated. Extend. I just want to live in the mountains of Scotland one day. That's yeah. like my dream. So for me, getting out of the city was important. Getting a dog, <laughs> stuff like that really just helped ground myself. What kind of dog do you have? Um, a Bernadoodle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Her name's Velma. Velma. She's stunning. Why do we, was she a rescue? No, 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 no. So she was a puppy and you yeah, named her Velma. Named her Velma, yeah. Okay. I wanted to try it from from the beginning, like with her, with a puppy and How'd do the whole sleepless it? night How'd thing. you find it? Oh, great. Love it. It made me, confirm to me that I definitely want kids. I was going to ask you about family. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about like, is it based on a time frame? Oh, I love a plan. A plan. I love a plan. So what's the plan? I've, well, the plans change, right? So it's not setting stone. But I want to go travel around the world, yeah. basically. And then I want to work really hard for the next four or five years. And then I, I want to like travel around the world. No planes. No tour. 
no, no tour, performances, no like working. actual focus travel. Yeah, I mean, I write music by myself, sure, but sure, I want to sure. just trains, cars, walking. I want to see every inch of the planet <laughs> so, for like a year, like, so, a, like a student. I love that. I want to get lost. Like, I love the feeling of being lost. Would you do it on your own? Would you go with people? Uh, depends. Depends if I was had a lover at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also got my beautiful friends that I love that I'd be down to come with. Yeah, yeah I'd love it. I don't know how I feel about hostels, but... I, I, <laughs> no, I mean, but, I don't think anyone's expecting a certain sort of level of travel for you. I mean, we're hoping that it's... <laughs> no, it's, I need to give it a full go. go I just for, hate rats. Yeah. I'm not doing rats. I if I see a rat, I'm going to get out of there. I don't think you're turning right on the plane. <laughs> oh my god I'm just oh putting god. that out there I mean if I have kids I'm gonna Yeah I mean that's yeah. like 4x Yeah, But <laughs> I'm just saying if you're on your own I think you're going left <laughs> Yeah I mean I'd hate planes so no planes It would all be it would all be trains and cars would you, how, would you, how would you cross the ocean? On a uh, boat. boat On a boat? Yeah 100% On a boat? Yeah You'd rather go like through that ocean when it's rough Than in that turbulence I it? did a six hour drive to Vegas two days ago yeah. There, Six hours there, six hours back Yeah Instead of getting on the plane I hate planes Do you love to drive? Love to drive, music, service stations Love a service station The whole vibe Yeah I love it <laughs> So that's your plan, but but kids are definitely a part of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, once I've done all the traveling, I'd love to do that. Yeah, with someone you love, ideally, right? Oh, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. but I can also do it alone. Of course, that's what I, that's what I mean. There's multiple yeah. pathways, but you know, love plays such a big part in in who you are because you love it, mm -hmm. and we love that you love it, and I love you, and you love me, and <laughs> you have a lot you. of love I to do. give. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the best things about you. Yeah. And yet, you know, your music is littered with these heartbreaking tales of of misunderstood love affairs. You know, things that last and things that don't. Sometimes you celebrate it, and sometimes you lament it. Yeah. Um, what are you learning about it? I'm learning how to receive it. Now, properly, wow. which is like <laughs> that is a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest one. Yeah, it's the biggest one. Yeah, I'm in something at the moment. Awesome. That, that's very calm, and that's um, that's like a wild feeling. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever had that. Feeling. But being willing to be loved mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah, and it's also it's kind of weird because nothing has. Everyone said that nothing. I don't know, people have all these sayings, don't they, about relationships. When you're single, it's the worst. Yeah, we, we, live, we, we live by the catchphrase. So which oh one's this? God. Which one's this? Well, it's just like it comes to you when you're not looking for it, all that <laughs> crap. Like, it is because it is crap. There's, there's, there's a little bit, I feel like it comes to you when you're not desperate for it. It's just two words. But you it, should always be looking. It all led us up to two words. Let go. Yeah, let go. Let go. That's it. Yeah, and you can know sometimes you have to feel safe to let go. You know, and and but it's but ultimately it's not a safe feeling, and you've got to lean into that. You and, really do. Yeah, you really let go on this music, and oh. and we, we we hatched a plan before we started this conversation. We were like, okay, do we do it all on this go, or do we like have a really cool conversation somewhere really fun that we can like have a glass of wine and stretch out and make it a lifestyle choice? Let's and do we, both. So we decided to do that, yeah. obviously, <laughs> which means that this one is the amuse bouche for the main course, which comes yeah. later on. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't touch on music. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I kind of want to know, without going into the details you can't share at this point, you know, what your overarching feeling is about this new record. If your first album was that debut album that unveiled itself to you, that allowed you to present your voice to the world and we responded in kind. And then the albums that have followed, the second album was like, okay, I am extending myself deeper into this world. Big songs, big collaborations, big moments. We talked about that. The last album to me was a break free. Yes. Yeah. A pull it all apart moment. Yeah. What, is, what is this? Last time was for me was almost like DIY. Yeah, it was like not 
I didn't have the energy to go in like I did on this record. Ah. Um, but I kind of lead into that. I don't mind people seeing part of the process or things that maybe felt a little unfinished at times, you know? So who, who do you hear when you listen back to that? Album? Not what, but who do you hear? When... Someone mid-transition. Transition from what to what? From there to now. <laughs> yeah. Like from, yeah. I don't know, just growing up. Like it was a, it was, it was a proper growing up. So what moment. were you letting go of? Um, letting go of this Sam Smith artist <laughs> yeah. that was me, yeah. but was also uh, only allowed to talk about certain things. We talked about this. We couldn't broach sex. Yes, it yes. was true. We couldn't. I couldn't really broach sex, and that's not down to. And it is well, it is down to my whole team as well as me. But it was me too. You know, I was scared, and I was scared to talk about it because I was. If I showed people my sex, everyone would would say it was gross. Which is so funny because <laughs> knowing you personally, you know, having become friends with you, and my my wife loves you. We've hang, we've hung out, we've had dinners, we've danced, we've socialized. You are an unfiltered, sexual, yeah, funny, yeah, yeah. charming, sociable, honest human. Always one of the most been. one of the most fun people in the world to spend any time you can with Sam I'm telling you go hang out with them but but then you get to this point where the identity that's presented to the wider world well doing that on stage is scary yeah that's really scary to do that to do that on stage in a in a world where queer people aren't yeah. really celebrated yeah, as they should be still. still you know it's a scary thing to do so it took it took guts and it still takes guts God, it's funny, isn't you know? it? The marketing, the marketing materials say that it, the LGBTQ revolution is here. Yeah, but, but the reality is, well, it is here, and we, we and and everything is moving forward in a wonderful way. But there is realities that are that are quite hard to swallow. Like when it comes to the stats of you know the countries that where it's yeah. still illegal, yeah. you know, and it is it is it is hard. It's still hard to be queer. There's still backlash, you know. I, I still get things said to me on the street, even now. If you, you like, the the weirdest thing is, you can be famous, right? You can be a pop star, and you still get it. Because I thought I'd become a pop star, and I'd never get a bad word said to me ever again. I'd never have homophobia. I'd never experience it if I became a star, you know. And then you, and then it happens, and it's still there. It's still there. Um. So yeah, it just takes bravery. It really does. If you take a look at the icons that you've mentioned, um, some of which are queer, some of which are straight, some, you know, it doesn't really matter. But but many of them, if they live to tell the tale, and most notably the ones who did not, made it really clear that what you just said. Yeah. That, that actually, with that level of fame and attention, comes even more scrutiny. And at times, you are you are considered to be responsible for things people don't understand and or at worst like, dislike. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're made to be. Um, you know, you have to talk about your queerness immediately, I think, if you become well-known and you're queer. It's, it, we don't have that uh, privilege sometimes of just being able to talk about the music, mm. you know, or the acting or um, the sport. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You can't just talk about that. You have to talk about it all. And that's, I've, I've stepped into that because I've now realized how powerful that is. Because you're on the front line of the revolution. Exactly. Oh my God. And you can, there's kids out there that need this. Yeah. yeah they need yeah. us to talk about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. But when you're 
thrust into it, it's, it's hard. So how do you find a safe place in the studio? I mean, you pick your collaborators really well, <coughs> ovs, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, but, but, but you, but you don't sit still either. You know, you are searching for new fresh perspective on your art. You've worked with some people on this new project that are, that are unique. I know on Unholy, you know, working with Blake Slatkin and working with Omar Fetty and Circuit. This is a real crew. And Jimmy's there to keep you, to keep you grounded. He's your, he's yes. your, I mean, he's, he probably, is he kind of your life partner now in many respects in terms of the longest person you probably yeah. had a relationship of that nature with? And it is a relationship, let yeah. me tell you. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. It really is a relationship. But we're, it's beautiful how we've grown. He's really let me uh, blossom as well. And he's so good at what he does. And we we still uh, second guess each other on things. It's It's beautiful. I just, for me, I really realized something with this album. And that is that I love teamwork. Like, I love making music with people. I think that it makes me better at what I do. Like, being in that room with with Blake and Jimmy and those people, and it's like, it's war to get to a, a, this this good place with the music. And um, I enjoy that. I like seeing people in battle because you, you, you start to study their techniques I'm, 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 <laughs> a little mean, bit. It's the only thing in my life I miss. Yeah. Is the studio. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. <sighs> You've got to get back. It's always there for you. I know. It just feels so far away right now. You know, yeah. it, it was really close when we were hanging out. And like, and then, you know, this has been the most amazing experience being at Apple and I, I love it. And it's changed my life in so many positive ways um, and my family's, you know. But uh, that side of things, like, I'm feeling drawn back to it. You have to do it. But it's the only thing I'm truly scared of in my life right now. Like, but then it's the right place to be, right? <laughs> right, right. If you're right. scared, then you're in golden territory, I think. Yeah. So get scared. Wow, you've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Get scared. I love, like, if I'm not scared, I'm bored. Can you give us a little bit more before we get into, because the album will unveil itself over time, and I'm sure by the time this conversation comes out, you will have probably either put more music out, because we're a little way away from the record coming out, so we can dive into all the themes in deeper detail, but who are some of the other people that you work with on the record? Um, I've worked with incredible people. Jesse Reyes is part of quite a few songs. Um, Calvin, I worked with Calvin on it. I mm. worked with... Uh, oh, wow. So Calvin did that track. I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And what about the one Lose You? Um, that was me, Blake, I'm Ilya, um, Jimmy. Slick. Max. Just re Max Martin? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's he like? sensational yeah yeah what can you tell us what can you tell us about the the, the, the mythical man of mystery the the, you know, the the prince of pop oh, just just truly a a servant of music like he his whole life is to serve music if music's if there was a god music is his god right that's how i feel when i chat to him and it's the ego there's of course everyone has ego but he can put it aside and 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 a lot of like Ilya who works with us and with with Max he's he's sensational at that too yeah it's like the music is the leader at all times and you're never going to work out the code some t people treat it like it's a science that you can work out you can't and if then you because you lose the soul if you no, think you worked it out I, I think it's the opposite I think you have to give yourself into the complete and utter unknown f factors of the moment and yeah and, you never know what you're going to get. If you'd shown up in a different kind of space on the day you wrote Unholy, it wouldn't have existed the way it existed. It's yeah. like it's it's about as close to the present when you really give into it as you can get, I think. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally. 
It's, it's like meditation, really, at the end of the day. What's your relationship like with modern music, especially when you're in your process? Because you, you, I know that you have, you're have a fan of music, but can you walk that line whilst you're also charting your own path, or do you have to just leave that alone and focus on your own? Oh, totally. I still love music, but I've I've always, with music, it's it's weird. I've never, like, I never go out and, and find it. I let it come to me. Mm. So whether it's you hear something in the street or someone randomly playing it in the car, you know, Shazam's like my best friend in that sense. Mm. You know, I love mm. a Shazam. Mm. Me too. Because what was your last Shazam? Oh, gosh. It's Shaiko. Oh, Shy Girl's ridiculous. What did you Shazam, Nike? Cleo. I only oh. just heard Cleo. Cleo's crazy. So late to the party. But like, I'm obsessed with Nike too. Nike's the whole, amazing. I just love Shy Girl. Yeah. Out of control. Yeah. So I, could, I, I would love to work with Shy Girl. What about the whole competitive nature of being an artist in the modern day? Um, you know, numbers, mm. streams, ticket sales, da, da 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 You came out at a time when there was a group of people within your peer group and all of you dominated. And all of you yeah. went out and were just like having your best success. There was one Grammys where we went to, you know, our mutual friend's party and it was just like the pop, <laughs> pop, pop stuff in Sodom yeah, and Gomorrah. It was crazy wild. that was the craziest party of all time <laughs> hands down, hands down. <laughs> it really was it really was um but what but what was really on display that night was just everyone was just kind of f on fire like yes yeah you yeah, all yeah. had crazy eyes yeah it was weird it was it was weird i think it is still weird i i really feel like i've left the race yeah. if there was a race that's where i'm getting at like what I is it like to I've you now uh, for me it's it's about my music and my fans. Yeah. I had to reconnect with my fans yeah. and realize that these are my people and I'm doing this for them because the charts and stuff can they can you can get you can get people get weird. <laughs> really weird. Yeah. I don't I try not to be I've had to exercise it, not read comments, not get involved in in that side of stuff because it doesn't really exist, to be honest. It's all fake. And, you know, even with all the award shows and stuff, you learn as you go on that it's not accurate as well. It's all it's all a game. And I'm a purist when it comes to my love for music, probably, because I just love music. And when someone makes you feel crap about your music or, you know. Or great about your music. Or, or great about it's your music. It's all from the same totally. weird place. Yeah. Right? It's gas. I don't like that or here, have a Grammy. Is this a bit like, what? Yeah, and it kind of, I remember Patti Smith saying, right, that the money and success and fame really affects art. And it's so true because my business isn't what happens to the song. My my business is getting in the studio and, and carrying on. So who's got it right? Like, who do you think in your mind that, 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 that makes music or makes art is someone that kind of takes the right steps, that paves a way for you to do it the way you want to do it? Hmm. That's a great question. I always reference Robin. I think Robin's amazing. Robin just takes her time. Such a good shout. And she she said that to me once. She met I don't know if she'd ever remember. She met me when I was 20 years old. And I was sitting in Germany in a um, canteen. And she was about to sing Fembot. And, on, where, and where were you? Were you at were you at that point where you would Money on my mind? Money on my mind. Yeah. yeah. And she came and sat down next to me and she just said to me, Take your time. And then she left. It was like it was like an angel coming and just giving me some really beautiful advice. But I remember at the time being like, I'm not gonna take my time. <laughs> I've I've got I haven't got the time. I need to bring out music. And I've only just realized what she meant. Go to hell, Pop Pixie, with your small and impactful statements. <laughs> no, but it's so true. So I'd wise. Love to, I'd love so to wise. have known just just a little bit of insight into what was going on in her mind that 
because I've met Robin a couple of times and she's very deliberate. She's not, she doesn't waste words and she doesn't waste time. Mm. But what, what inspired her to want to come over and share that with you? Well, she must've seen something in that moment that you wouldn't have even been aware of just in the way you were carrying yourself or something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, I was young and it was blowing up and it was just so fast paced. And you, I think you need someone to always remind you that you are in control. You can stop when you want to stop and just make sure you like what you're doing. There's so much more for us to talk about on this record. I'm hesitant to go too deeply into it at this point, but there's one song I want to talk about if that's okay, which is called No God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is attached to a beautiful little piece of music, a nice little reprise at the end called Hurting. And I just I, I just think that this song is one of the best things you've ever written. Oh, thank you. It's amazing because because it actually isn't um, a performance per se. It's It's not it's not a song that lends itself for you to have to drive for some kind of emotional resonance because it's all in the words. Mm-hmm. What was it like to write? Oh, it was incredible. I remember, like, I love that song. It doesn't get it doesn't get old for me as well. It's it was just something I really needed to get off my chest. Which is what people with god complexes. You know, I like to feel like I'm part. Like even when I go on stage now, I hate the fact that it's 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 about me in a way. Like mm. I really want the band to feel like. I don't know, I'm trying to make sure these these shows now feel like it's a theatre show, like it's an ensemble of people. Because I watched you the other uh, the other other night on the live lounge when Kim Petras comes out, and this is what you did. If you watch this, this is what Sam did. Now, if you watch any other pop star, here comes the collaborator on your song, and what happens is most people dance with the collaborator, and they like wait for their moment to just take the mic back, and they like share it. This is what Sam did. Sam goes, and you step back and let Kim. Do what Kim's gonna do, mm. and I noticed it, and I was like, "In class." Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I, I'm. I. I would rather one day. Do you know how rare that is these days. People, I don't. I, I don't know. People don't do that. They stand next to. I person. mean, one day it's my dream to just have like some sort of installation on my face and not be seen. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my dream. Like I'd love to just be in so like this dress that just covers everything that I don't have to be seen. Why? I mean, it's one thing for you to want to step back and let and let somebody have their moment, which is beautiful, a beautiful human choreography. But mm. why don't you even want to like go through that experience full stop? It's a weird one because I do enjoy singing live, but I just think it's the most vulnerable feeling in the in the world. I've right. never felt more vulnerable or naked than when I sing, right. and I'm always scared that I sound bad. I afterwards I'm panic. I I have lows when I come off stage because I feel like I've just bared everything, and it's it's it's. I don't know. It's so, just so personal. So, so okay, if that's how you feel in yourself, no matter what happens, what does it? What does applause sound like? It's confusing because it's it can be. It's really comforting and beautiful, but but I like it when it's applause for the music. If it's applause for me, I feel weird. Wow, it's not even temporary if they're applauding you. You can't even hold on to it for a split second. Not and really. Use it to no. make yourself feel good. No, not really. It's hard. Like even with unholy doing well, like I need to. I have to really try and just enjoy it. Because it, I just, yeah, it's a weird one. I've never enjoyed, like, even when I was a kid singing live, it was always a real, like, traumatic experience. So the In the Lonely Hour tour, which was a true one laminate world tour, like, yeah. that's when you get one laminate, it just says world tour on it. So if you get one of those, you can go to any show you want, and if you lose one, you're f- dead. Um, <laughs> but, but that tour must have just been torture. At times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 100% it is. It's really hard. Touring is really hard. But it's also this bittersweet feeling when you come off and you have months of sadness and you're like, I'm never doing that again. And then suddenly you're going, I want to do it. So what do you miss? 
Um, I miss the the feeling of being part of this village backstage of, of human beings living together, making music, the highs and lows, seeing the world, m- the fans, the music, those Let magical moments. Let me tell moments. you, man, there's a theme developing here throughout our little catch up this morning, which I really appreciate our time. The horrible people still hurt. Always. But I think, I don't know, I don't read any of the critics anymore, but I just, I just don't think they're real. I don't think they're true. Like they used to love, I want people. They, they loved you though, Sam. On that first album, not in not in the UK. Were you always critically re- always in the UK? And, and and they and they say wild things, like and it's just I wish someone was. I wish that was just more of a friendlier place because yeah. music is subjective and it's beautiful. And you can you can say you don't like something whilst also saying. But this person, I, I understand that other people do like it. I don't know. It's just so unkind. And people, people, we all just have to, as artists, you just, and everyone said this to me when I was reading stuff. Don't read, don't read it, don't read it, don't Unrealistic. read it. But you have, Unrealistic. you do have to try because it can change the music you make. It can change the job you do. I agree. And, I actually think it's, I actually think it's too far the other way. I, I think if you don't read or take feedback from anyone apart from the people you work closest with or the people who are applauding you, how do you ever know? Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's true. But I think I just, it's the standard of journalism that's, yeah. N- yeah. there's some great writers out there, but I think back in the day when you had people who's, when it was like, that's how, that was the main mode of connection between fan and musician. Was a reviewer, was a journalist, was an article. The standard was just through the roof. And now I think it's it's there was a great writers out there, and people will say that I'm not contributing as well. So I know it goes all way, but I just think it's the standard. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It just I would just love a review from someone that actually went to the bars I go to, so they could see and live where the, the where life the I live a from. little bit. Yeah, so they can see my inspirations and you know how much I loved that Natasha Bedingfield record when I was 14, like how much I really loved it. That's pure love. It was pure love. Some of these these pop songs as a kid that I just really loved and I wanted to recreate that. And they're not cheesy. They're not, I don't know, they're real. They 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 changed my life. And I've tried to bring that spirit and magic into what I do. And it's real, you know? I think that that's what I've always uh, found hard is that people maybe listen to my music and think that this has been created to fool you. You know what I mean? It's not. I think the last album, there, there, there may have been some people who got a sense of that, but we've ex- we've established in this conversation already that there may have been some some justification for that because you yourself were trying to figure out where you wanted to go next, right? And everyone has yeah, to make yeah. albums like that. Oh, completely. And But I was very purposeful about it. Like, I wanted to show people the, the the work in progress. I'm not interested in being perfect. And there's but saying that, I'm sorry to hype myself up, but if you go back to my third album, there's some, bangers. There's some incredible songs on yeah. there that are so beautiful and yeah. where I've pushed myself creatively more than any other album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gave and gave way for this new record as well, which is man, it's just you've never sounded better on the songs I've heard. Oh, and it, the album is it's a short record, but it's meant to be. It I've, it all links together. It's the first album I've ever made that completely links together. I know, I can tell. because like the a movie. The ones, I've only heard like four extra songs apart from Unholy and the other one that's already out, so six in total. And um, and it's meant to be a slap around the face. Each song is like slap, slap, slap. Yeah. Gimme, slap. Oh, I love that one. Gimme. That's my favorite. <laughs> You're so funny, man. The, that's my favorite. The pause at the end of every verse is so good. <laughs> That's my favorite. That song is my favorite song I've ever done, I think. So good. 
give me everything you got. Was it? What, what's it's the about line? wanting it so bad that you you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> but there's your, people when they hear it will know if they haven't already heard it. There's a pregnant, a very pregnant pause at the end of the of the verse um, <laughs> each time on the word "come," which then leads into a reveal. But the pause <laughs> lasts an eternity. <laughs> it's it's so fun. That was done in Jamaica too. It was Jamaica amazing. was good for you. Oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. I, I think it was incredible because I didn't leave the studio. I just didn't leave. Yeah. I just stayed the whole time. And that, if the stage and the tour and everything else ultimately is a, a constant wrestle for a desire to get past your own insecurities and the studio is where you feel the safest place. Oh, 100%. 100%. But depending on who I'm with, like there's times you, you, you're in sessions and you don't feel safe i need i need to feel really safe to be able to creatively go for it so there's sometimes i'm in the studio and i'm like i don't feel great and i won't give anything what new song on the album to you is the most visually satisfying already in your mind there's a there's a hymn on there i went back to my i wrote a hymn i, I it was weird i was in my room in my house in london and i am um, it's the first time i ever did this i wrote a melody in one take on my voice notes and it was a hymn and I wrote the complete melody just in one go and then I would keep listening back to it and add a few words to it. I met up with Foy Vance, Mm -hmm. um, incredible artist, songwriter, and he helped me make this hymn and it sounded like a really strict Catholic hymn. And then on it we added, um, it's, it's almost like a lullaby to my younger self like a queer lullaby on top of a hymn. Wow. And then I went back to the church where I used to go to when I went to primary school, this quite this this Catholic church in a place called Saffron Ward. It was very strict and wild. And I got a choir there and they sang this song. And it was like a healing moment with my say, with my just, baby self. Yeah, you just put yourself back together. Yeah. It was wild. Wow. It, yeah. Emotional. Oh, crazy. I want to sing it on Songs of Praise. <laughs> That's my dream. But again, I'm trying to force them to let me do it. What, who would get in the way of that? I don't know. It's a captive audience. And, well, it's not the biggest audience, I don't think. <laughs> Very influential, though. Yeah, Still. I think it'd be beautiful. Still. Yeah. Very influential. <laughs> Just like Antiques Roadshow. That religious money, man, it goes a long way. <laughs> Love it. Miss you. <laughs> Miss you too. Thank you so much. The wonderful and remarkable Sam Smith, our latest conversation on the interview series. Make sure that you add a comment if you feel like it or a rating. By all means, we check this stuff out all the time. Thank you so much for checking out the interview series. There's a ton more conversations if you scroll and you want to find them. And we'll catch you next week for more.